Alleluia, Christ is risen. He has risen indeed. Alleluia. You may be seated. Jesus, our risen Lord, is our great high priest. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, and yet remains without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace in help of time of need. For the great high priest, Jesus, is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives, he lives to make intercession for us. Jesus was without sin. He remains without sin. And he died for all of us, defeating sin and death on our behalf. He ascended into heaven, and as he reigns from his throne at the right hand of the Father, he intercedes for us who still struggle here in this fallen world. Today, on the seventh Sunday of Easter, the church contemplates the continuing work of Jesus as the one who intercedes for her. Today we remember the prayer that he prayed on the night that he was betrayed. This was an intimate prayer, and it focused on the work that Jesus accomplished, the word that he shared with the apostles, the word that the apostles spoke to the world for the benefit of all who believe in Jesus. We contemplate this prayer because it is a glimpse of the ongoing intercession that Jesus continues to pray on our behalf. It shares with us, this prayer does, it shares with us God's will for our lives. It shares with us the work that he accomplishes for us and in us for the world. Now we are in series B of the three-year lectionary. Uh, year one, year A goes through Matthew, uh, B goes through Mark, and C goes through Luke. John is interspersed in all of them. But we're in, in this particular prayer that's listed in John 17, we divide into three parts as we go through this lectionary. So we're on the middle part of the prayer where Jesus prays for the apostles in particular and for each of us in general. Now you may be tempted to ask, why should I pay attention? This particular sermon sounds like it may not be something that I'm too interested in. Or you may be asking, why is this important for me? When you heard the topic of this sermon, you may have been tempted to tune out. What is important to this prayer? 
This prayer is important. For in this prayer, you see Jesus, who right before he is betrayed, ultimately crucified for the sins of the world, for your sin and for mine. We see Jesus, who later that night would say, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. We see this Jesus who is in agony praying the most important things. Praying for us. And all of this is according to the will of the Father. His prayer in those moments was for his church. The one who in Ephesians 5 it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church who laid his life down for her. His prayer in these moments sprung forth from his love for you, his church. In other words, this prayer is the intimate heart of the Son of God talking with the Heavenly Father for the apostles and for all who would believe according to their word. This includes us in this room. If you want to know what God thinks of you, If you want to know his heart for you, this prayer is an intimate look. Let's listen to our Savior's prayer to the Heavenly Father. While I was with my twelve disciples, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the Son of Destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. In these opening sentences, Jesus recounts to the Father all that he did in the calling of the, and the training of the twelve. It recalls those first days when he saw James and John out in their father's boat, follow me, when he saw Andrew and Peter, when he met with Philip, and said, I saw you even when you were under the tree. It recalls the moment that they were baptized in the baptism of repentance and the forgiveness of sins. When, they, when the God, the Holy Trinity, placed his name upon them, each and every one of the twelve had that moment where they remembered the gathering where Jesus called them and set them apart. Those disciples were Jesus, and they bore his name. They were close to him, and he revealed to them his heart in many intimate moments in those past three years. He shared with them the intimate heart of God. And John would later say that in Jesus, where the, it, Jesus is where the world truly knows what love is. Love is God's Son in the flesh who laid down his life for his friends. Jesus guarded the twelve and continually drew them back to his love whenever they strayed. When they pushed away the little children, Jesus rebuked them and called them back to his love. When they argued amongst themselves about who was the greatest, 
Jesus taught them that the greatest of all is the one who was the servant of all, even he who had laid down his life for the salvation of the world. When Peter said that there had to be another way other than the cross, Jesus rebuked Satan who was using Peter's lips. And he called Peter to a repentance that would one day show itself in Peter following Jesus all the way to the point where Peter laid down his life dying on his own cross because he would not deny Jesus' love. Jesus lets us know that all of the disciples' faithfulness was really his own personal work of guarding those he put under his name in baptism. This is true for you and I as well. The fact that you are here today with the rest of us, hearing the words of our Lord who intercedes for us, it is because Jesus, your good shepherd, has placed his name upon you in baptism. And he is allowing you, drawing you to his word that he speaks to you. Jesus has brought you even to this place as he brought the disciples to that place. It should be noted, because Jesus noted it, that although he guards and protects you, he does not force you to stay under his guard and protection against against your will. He who found you and keeps you But he has found you and keeps you, but he will not force you to stay with him against your will. This can be witnessed in Jesus' relationship with his disciple Judas. Does Jesus love Judas? Absolutely. Absolutely. The proof is in the cross where he died for Judas' sin, the proof is in the baptism where he placed his name upon Judas, making him, marking him as one redeemed by Christ the crucified. But did Jesus force Judas to stay in that love? No. Forcing someone to stay or to do something against their will, it is not love at all. It is coercion. Jesus has purchased you. He has placed his loving name upon you in baptism. If you have not been baptized or are not sure what baptism is, the pastors would love to talk to you. We'd love to talk about the act by which God's loving work that he accomplished for you on the cross is placed upon individuals in their body and their soul. Jesus died for you. He rose to wash you in baptism. And he lives to guard and protect you from all sin and error in your life. But he will not force you to stay with him against your will. The prayer of our risen and great high priest continues. But now, Father, I am coming to you. And these things I speak in the world that they may have joy 
that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Jesus prayed this prayer. It was always on his heart. But he prayed it in the hearing of the disciples and for their benefit. And they, in turn, recorded this prayer for us to read so that we can know the heart of God for us. Jesus was on his way to the Father through the agony of the cross and the grave. But before he did, and just imagine, you know when you're stressed out, you know when you're stressed out, you're like, well, I guess when I'm stressed out, I say, leave me alone, I've got to get through this. Even if what I'm doing may be for the benefit of my family, I'm like, back off. (laughs) I've got something that needs to be done for your benefit. (laughs) But Jesus, even though he would later on in a couple of hours be sweating drops of blood, almost passing out from the agony of what he was going through, thought it was important that they know the heart of his prayer. They would know his love that they would know true joy. So he said it in their hearing and in our hearing. And he continues his prayer in the hearing of the twelve witnesses. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. It's important to recognize, it's important for the twelve and for you to recognize you have been set apart. When Jesus called and baptized the twelve, and even you yourself with water and the word, he made us citizens of another country, citizens of the kingdom of God, which unlike this fallen world, it is eternal. In baptism, he delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We're citizens of heaven, and the joy of heaven, it's ours even now, as we eagerly wait for the full revelation of joy. We are citizens of heaven, but we live in this world. In fact, we are here on behalf of the world even though the world hates us. Our enemies are listed frequently in the small catechism. You know them by heart. They are the devil, the world, and our own sinful nature. Yet what does Jesus tell us to do? He tells us to pray for our enemies, just as he prayed for us, who were once his enemies That is why Jesus prays. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. As we live our lives here, abiding in Christ, staying with him, we bear the fruit of love for those who are in the world, even if, when, they hate us. As we live for the world's benefit, Jesus prays that we would not be taken away from him by the evil one. 
He continually prays for our protection, that we would stay close to his love, even as we're in this dangerous territory. That we would be kept close to his love by the word which comes to us in preaching, reading, in the sacraments themselves. And about the, his word's work in our lives, Jesus prays to the Father, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. You see this same word that called us to salvation in the waters of baptism it is the same word that sanctifies and transforms us into the image of our loving high priest and savior. His word keeps us in the vine and his word prunes away the lingering sin and death that clings to our new man in Christ Jesus. And the more like Jesus his word makes us, the more his saving word is shared through us. And as Jesus sends us into this world, he sends us with the message, this message, that God loves the world so much that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. That message, it is sent and it is proclaimed through us. The church. Jesus even prays for the lost world when he prays, As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Why did the Father send his Son? Love. Love for the world. Why is Jesus sending the disciples into the world? Their word through the church. Through you, the same reason. You're here because God loves the person you come into contact with. You are here and not in heaven now because Jesus loves the world. And while you are here, you are not alone. For the same Jesus who intercedes for you remains with you even in his very flesh and blood, in his water and the blood that flowed from his side, that washes you and makes you his, in his love that flowed from his wounds as he hung for your sins, and his love that touches you in the gifts given in the font and the altar. We continue listening as our high priest intercedes for us. For their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. All Jesus did was for us. All he refrained from and all he did was for you. And moreover, the answer to Jesus' prayer, it's interesting, but the answer to his prayer it is fulfilled through his actions. The answer to his prayer for us whom he purchased, he accomplishes when he himself applies his work to us by the means of word and sacrament. And the work that he shares to the world in the word and sacrament, he shares through his body, the church, 
He does it all. And he does it all because of the Father's love. This prayer, again, shows us the heart of God. This prayer shows us what he was accomplishing as he carried that cross of our sin and shame. It shows us the content of his intercession that he continues to make on our behalf. If you wonder if Jesus is for you, the scripture tells us that he's praying for you. He's working for you. What is he praying? Today's gospel shows us that prayer. We have knowledge of why we are here because of this prayer and what our Lord wishes to accomplish for and even through us. He indeed is our great high priest. He indeed is the high priest who has gone before us, who indeed is not only making the way to take us home, he himself is the way by which we go. I pray that the knowledge of this prayer would give you joy even on this day. That as you reflect on Jesus' heart for you, you would have peace that surpasses all understanding. And now may the peace that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until he returns for you. Amen.